Yeah, you made it. You're here this morning, and God is here in this place, and He's going to do something wonderful for you today. Praise God. I'm going to share just a few thoughts for you. Is it okay if I just talk to you this morning? I think the Spirit of God can, uh, can uh, move in the same way if we're spitting and flying and, and all of that. And I may do some of that too. I don't know. I'm, uh, I'm still on fire in Jesus' name. So we'll just see what happens. Let's see what happens. Praise God. Amen. Y'all all right if I take my jacket off? Will you promise to tell my wife that you saw it on me uh, at least once today? You say, uh, he did wear his jacket today. But I don't Amen. Instead of the middle of the message, we'll do it at the beginning of the message. How about that? Praise God. I feel um, feel led to share some uh, um, something with you from Luke chapter 18. If you have your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 18. We're going to read verse 28 and 30 in just a moment. But I want to I want to speak to those students this morning that you feel the desire. Maybe you feel the call of God in your life but a stirring desire to be used by God. You want to do something for Him. You have the desire to move forward, and you have the desire to be used of Him. I want, to, I want to pull at you this morning, and I want to share some thoughts from Scripture and maybe from a few life experiences that could potentially help you. I remember years ago, uh, this was back when I was 15 years old, my father received a call from a man who's passed on, but a wonderful man was named... Billy Cole, and he called my dad up, and he said, uh, Brother Bachelor, he said, I feel in the Holy Ghost that I want uh, your son to come with me to Ethiopia, Africa. They were doing big crusades over there, and he said, I want him to come with me. And I was only 15 at the time, and dad uh, was going to come with me, but something happened. He wasn't able to go, so they, they sent me by myself, uh, and I flew uh, to London, England by myself, and then I was going to fly and touch down in Rome for a little bit, and then to Addis Ababa, Ethiopia. And I was very excited to go. This is the first missions trip uh, that I had ever taken, and uh, I was excited to go because I'd heard about wonderful things that had happened in Ethiopia. And uh, so when I got there, I was the youngest uh, guy on the trip. All the rest of them were wonderfully Holy Ghost-filled, apostolic preachers, men uh, of the truth. There was one lady, Sister uh, Wendell, uh, that was on there. And uh, she had actually been a teacher uh, to my mom and dad back at Gateway years ago. And just a wonderful, powerful uh, woman of God. And so I was on this wonderful trip, and we uh, arrived in Ethiopia, and I remember I was so nervous because I wanted to do it just right. I was so nervous because I saw all these big-name preachers and these people that were my heroes I'd looked up to, and I thought, man, Lord, help me to look, you know, at least a little bit Holy Ghost-filled and apostolic. Help me to, you know, just get, so I had my big King James Version Bible. I, I mean, I had a mass, this is tiny. I mean, this is nothing compared to the one that I, I had. I mean, it was, I had to get the biggest Bible that I could. And I was carrying, I remember I was on the bus with them for a little bit. And uh, we had stopped, <laughs> we had stopped uh, at, at the church, Brother Teclamarian's church. And it was one of the largest churches I'd ever been to. It had about 5,000 people. The platform was massive. And I remember when we pulled up on that Greyhound bus that everybody was, was there to meet us. The choir was standing outside. And they were jumping up and down and singing in their language. And they were clapping. I just loved it. It was absolutely amazing. So we get off the bus. The problem was is that while we had been um, uh, flying from London uh, to Addis Ababa, they had lost my luggage. So for five days my luggage was lost so I had the clothes that that I had on were the ones that I had uh, on the plane so I was uh, you know smelling something fierce so I had I got off the uh, the bus and all the 
the preachers had their ties and their suits on and I came out in my jeans and my t-shirt and I'm walking off and I've got my big Bible trying to look at stock. I'm the last one and you know everybody's walking down they're feeling the Holy Ghost and I'm trying to praise the Lord God bless you good to see you good to be here thank you so much for having us you know doing my best to act preacherly and so we walk into the church I mean it's already the music is pumping and it's a going and it's it's every eye is on us and we're just excited to be there and I remember that we walked up onto the platform and the platform was huge and we had steps that we had to walk up and so I'm following and so help me I'm in the services going on and I trip and I knock over the preacher that's in front of me and I don't know brother Kyle I you know I for a moment he looked like he lost the Holy Ghost just for a moment. That look that he gave me, oh man, I, I said, I'm so sorry. And, you know, he quickly forgave me and, and we got up and brushed our knees off. I'm so embarrassed. My face is red. I'm thinking I just, you know, knocked a preacher over in front of 5,000 people and we're supposed to be having revival. What's going on here? So I get up into the back uh, of, the, of the place and, you know, the, the worship is going on. We're all sitting down, but the worship is, is, is happening. I mean, man, it's, it's powerful. So we're... Uh, I'm sitting back down feeling, I said, you know what, I've got this, you know, these clothes on from the plane, I don't have my suit on, but the worship is going, I don't, I don't care what I look like, I don't care what people think about, I'm going to jump up and give God the praise, so I, I jumped up to give God the praise, and I forgot that I had these cheese crackers from the plane that were in my pocket, and they fell out, and they busted all over their concrete uh, platform, there's no carpet, and they just went to it, like a thousand pieces, I thought, you got to be Hit me. So now I've got to look like I'm worshiping down on my knees. Yes, Lord, as I scrape up the cheese, peanut butter cheese crackers. They put them in my basket, in fact, at the hotel. Thank you for that. Still love them. But here I am. I'm, I'm putting them all together. I thought this is the most embarrassing thing that I've ever done. I'm picking up cheese cracker crumbs and I'm putting them back in my pocket, just still trying to worship the Lord. Anybody else ever had egg on your face or been embarrassed besides me? You've, you've done some things. But I'll tell you, on that trip, it was powerful. We went out to uh, uh, to the desert. We had this incredible revival. It was over. They said, estimate over 500,000 people were there. And I think that year it was somewhere between 75, 79,000 people received the Holy Ghost. It in one service. It was just like a, a tremendous wave after wave. Those of you that have been on missions trips before, you know the power that can be there in those missions trips and the Spirit of God was moving. I remember as the first time as a young man seeing the, these ladies that were lined up. It seemed like a mile long, but there was just a hundred ladies lined up that had been barren, not able to have children the year before and the word of faith had been spoken over them and here they came with a bundle of joy in their arms saying, look what God has done. I remember seeing for the first time a man that was demon possessed they brought him bound up and tied up and tied him to a pole while the worship was going and then they untied him and brought him up on the platform and all the ministers gathered around him and I stood behind Brother Cole as they prayed for him I didn't want anything jumping on me so I'm, be I'm behind them all yes Lord and Jesus get him Brother Cole in Jesus name Come on, yeah, yeah, you're going to look at me like you're, I'm the only one that's a scared. Man, I was terrified at that time. I didn't know what was about to happen. This was all new to me. So I'm saying, get him. And, and I saw that man that as they prayed for him, it was just a moment. They untied him. He lifted up his hand. God filled him with the Holy Ghost. And a joy and a peace came on his face like you had never seen. It was a beautiful thing because greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. Come on, tell somebody, greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. 
But there was something that was stirred in me. There was a seed that was planted on the inside of me. A desire for God. A desire to be used by God. A desire for the supernatural. A desire to pursue after Him. That moment can happen at any time. It could be on a missions trip. It could be at a prayer service, a youth group meeting. It could be in a service just like this. It could be at home while you're in your private devotion with the Lord. There's something that could stir in you. A seed of desire that wants to passionately pursue after God. And I'm here to speak to that this morning. Morning to somebody here today that wants more of God, you want to pursue after Him to not give up. You've got to keep going. You've got to keep moving forward. You've got to keep walking by faith. I want to encourage you this morning at what you're feeling and what you're desiring. It's real, but you've got to keep walking by faith in the Spirit if you want to see the reality of God's purpose fulfilled in your life. If you believe it, say amen. So this morning, my title this morning, and you'll understand in a little bit, but this morning my title is this, It's Time to Crash. Turn to somebody and say, It's Time to Crash. Luke chapter 18 and verse 28. Peter said to Jesus, We have left all we had to follow you. I tell you the truth, Jesus said to them. No one who has left home or wife or brothers or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God will fail to receive many times as much in this age and in the age to come eternal life. I'm thankful that whenever Peter started asking about rewards, saying, what do we get out of this? Because we've given everything. What do we get? That Jesus didn't say, don't worry about that. Just keep on following me. Don't worry about the rewards. Just keep on pursuing. I'm thankful that Jesus took the time to say, yeah, there's rewards. You're going to get them in this lifetime, and you're going to get them in the lifetime that is to come. I thank God for that. God wants to reward you for faithfully following after him. So this morning, whatever you do, wherever you go, whomever you meet, I want to invite you to completely, faithfully, wholeheartedly follow after Jesus. Now, on the surface, that may seem easy and comfortable. You go to church a few times a week. You pay your tithes. You read your Bible. Occasionally, you pray for somebody with irritable bowel syndrome. It sounds easy. But it's much more dangerous than that. It's a call to live in this world as citizens of an entirely different kingdom. The claim that we believe is not enough. The call of Jesus is one that demands continual action. Jesus began his disciples' ministry and this, his public ministry with a simple invitation. He said, come follow me. The disciples had no idea what they were getting into when they left all to follow Jesus. They were following a man that was almost pushed off a cliff by an angry mob. He went to church. He pushed over tables and chairs. He threw people out. He'd often leave them by the, uh, to be by himself while sending them out into a crazy storm. He once spit on the ground and put that mud in a blind man's eyes. And to top it all off, he once allowed his disciples to eat without washing their hands. This was one amazing, incredible man. But he never lied about the danger or the cost associated with becoming his followers. In fact, he said, I'm sending you like sheep among the wolves. I'm sending you innocent lambs among the wolves. It reminds me of when I sent my, uh, my firstborn, Breely, off to kindergarten. Man, my wife and I were so thankful, we were so happy to have this child. And now came the day when we had to leave her with somebody else 
to learn, to be taught, and to be in this class. And she didn't know any of the other students. And so we brought her to the kindergarten class. And I, I was going to do it. My wife said, I, I just want you to take her. And I can't handle it. You just take her. And I'm going to stay home and cry. So I said, all right, we'll do this. And I brought my, uh, you know, my, my, uh, my handkerchief just in case that Big Daddy had some tears. And so I had my handkerchief. And I brought Breely to it. And I said, all right, baby. I said, you know, Jesus is going to be with you. It's all going to be all right. You're going to have a great day. We're going to see you in just a little bit. It's not going to be long. And, and uh, you know, don't cry. And it's going to be a wonderful time. And she looked up at me. And she looked up at those big eyes. And she said, bye, Dad. Like that. And she just walked off. And she was gone. What are you doing? I'm sending you among the wolves. Do you know where you're going? That's really what I wanted to say. My innocent child being sent off there. I mean, you know, now your parents, you won't understand this until you, you know, you're a parent yourself. But your parents, when they send you off, you know, to youth events or when they send you off on missions trips or when they send you off to school. I'm telling you, there's something in the heart of the parent that you want them protected. You want them covered. And Jesus said, I'm going to send the ones that I love. I'm going to send the ones that are closest to me. It's going to be like sheep among the wolves. Basically, he was telling them it's going to be dangerous. This is not just some easy. This is not just some rainbow road that you're on but this is going to be a challenge for you I'm sending you like sheep among the wolves and after Jesus's death and resurrection Peter and Jesus they had another conversation about love and sacrifice and three times Jesus asked Peter he said do you love me and each time Peter responded adamantly he said I love you in fact the scripture tells us that Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him a third time do you love me and Peter's response was Lord you know all things you know that I love you and Jesus said I tell you the truth that when you were younger you dressed yourself you went where you wanted but when you're old you'll stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you don't want to go Jesus said this the Bible says to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God and then he said to Peter follow me Jesus had only one dangerous invitation for Peter only one course set for him only one path for him to choose if he were going to journey with Jesus and that was the Jesus way Jesus never watered down the cost of following him in hopes that Peter would then choose to follow him if Peter chose to follow and walk with Christ it would mean that one day for Peter, he would be taken against his will. He would be dragged off to be killed. And scholars tell us that Peter was also crucified. But at that time in his life, Peter was so faithful to Jesus. He said, I don't want to be crucified like my Lord and Savior. Crucify me upside down. Do it a different way. I'm not worthy to be crucified like he was. And they crucified Peter upside down. This is what Jesus was prophesying to him all the way back then. If he wanted to live a life of love and allegiance to Jesus it would cost him everything you are also called to a path that's filled with uncertainty mystery risk that's what God has called you to he has called you to live dangerously in this world through the power of his spirit so how did Peter respond to all of this when Jesus told him that he turned and he made John the focus. I love this. He, Peter turned and he said, Lord, I see this disciple whom you love and is following after. This is the one that had leaned back against Jesus at the supper and said, Lord, who's going to betray you? This was a, a kind, gentle, wonderful man. The one that the Lord had, was going to use mightily and give many revelations to. And Peter saw John over there. And when Peter saw him, he asked, Lord, 
What about this guy? If I'm going to have to die, what about this guy? He was comparing his sacrifice and his life to other people. And let me just give you a, a, a kernel of truth here this morning, young people, is that comparison is a thief of joy. When you compare yourself to other students and other people around you, it will rob you of your joy. The reason that you and I deal with insecurity is because we are comparing our behind the scenes with everybody else's highlight reel. We see their Instagram posts and their Facebook posts and their Twitters, their tweets that are going out. We compare all of their highlight reels to what's going on behind the scenes. And when I went to Ethiopia and saw the wonderful things that God was doing, it was an awesome highlight reel of the power and the presence of God. But let me tell you, not every day is a crusade in Ethiopia. Not every day is whenever you're seeing thousands of people get the Holy Ghost. There's some days when you're crying and some days when it seems mundane and some days when it's a struggle and sometimes when you got to just run and flee from temptation and some days whenever you got to get on your knees and just stay in prayer until the breakthrough happens and some days when you struggle within yourself and some days when friends leave you and they abandon you some days when people talk about you some days when your body hurts and your mind is confused some days that you go through that are a struggle and Jesus still says you got to follow after me I don't want anybody to be deceived here this morning that when you follow after Jesus and everything's just a bed of roses. If Jesus didn't, didn't lie to his disciples and didn't try to deceive them, I can't do that for you this morning. I've got to simply preach to you the truth that God has called you, that God has anointed you, that God is drawing you. But don't compare yourself to the life of others. It just doesn't work out that way. Jesus said, to Peter, he said, listen, if I want John to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? You must follow me. You got to follow. In fact, John was the one who they tried to boil him in oil. They, they tried to kill him, but he didn't. He, and as far as we know, John lived a very old life into his 90s. He lived a very old life and died while the rest of the apostles, they were crucified, killed with the sword, while terrible deaths awaited them. But John lived. But that, see, that's what happens whenever you follow after Jesus. That's the sticky part of this invitation. It's not fair. It's not equitable. And when you hear the call, you've got to follow the call. you got to recognize that this is a life and death proposition. When you understand that Jesus means when he says you got to follow him, you finally realize that this isn't just some cattle call. He's not calling you to the same life that everybody else is going to live. He's not even calling you to the same path that every follower of Jesus is going to walk. Your life is unique before God. Your path is yours and yours alone. And where God chooses to lead you, how God chooses to lead your life, it can't be predicated by how God has worked in the life of others before you. I've been caught in that trap and it's deceiving to think that God is going to use you exactly like he uses somebody else. You are a unique individual and while you may share some things that have been deposited in your life by your parents or your pastor or your youth leader or by a Sunday school teacher or by people that you admire, while you may have deposits in your life, your life is not going to turn out exactly like theirs. God is going to lead you where he wants you to go. So let me just tell you this this morning that where you're going is not as important as how you get there. 
Now, I'm not talking about the new birth. You must be born again of the water of the Spirit. You understand? I'm preaching to people right now this morning and speaking today to people that have already been born again of the water of the Spirit. If that's not you today, if you've not been baptized in Jesus' name, if you've not repented of your sins, if you've not been filled with the Holy Ghost, you need to do that before you go. You need to pray through until you're born again so you can enter to the kingdom of God. But I'm talking today to people that are following after Jesus, and sometimes you've just got to make up your mind like, like we just sang about. I'm not turning back. I'm not going behind. I'm not turning around. I've got to keep on following. You know, it's really deceiving to believe that that Christian cliche that the safest place to be is in the center of the will of God. Because actually the will of God is less about our comfort than it is about our contribution. Because God would never choose for you safety over significance. He would never choose for you safety over significance. He loves you too much. He didn't call you to some comfortable life. God would never choose for you safety at the cost of significance. Ask Corey Ten Boom. She was a Dutch Christian who along with her father and other family members, they helped many Jews escape from the Nazi Holocaust during World War II. She was in prison for her actions. And it's found in the diary of Corey Ten Boom that her sister Betsy was encouraging her with this hope. She said, Corey, stay within the will of God. For Corey and Betsy, the promise of safety in the center of God's will, it was fleshed out in concentration camps during the Nazi Holocaust of the Jews. In fact, Betsy died in that prison, although Corey lived to tell the story. The the will of God is not always safe. It's, It's not always comfortable to follow after the will of God. I remember we lived in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, not too far from here. And uh, we were helping out at, at the church and youth pastor, and we were loving it. And it was in our third year, and we started feeling something uh, that God was going to be transitioning and moving us. I had no idea where, and we had heard about an opportunity that opened up at New Life in Bridgeton, Missouri. And it, uh, there, as soon as I had heard about that opportunity, something leapt within me. I, it's hard to explain it, but something that said, you know, maybe this is it. Maybe this is, this is where God wants us. And uh, so uh, as I was thinking about that, they actually called and wanted me to come and uh, preach a youth week for them. So I went to go preach this youth week for them. Nate Binion was the youth pastor at the time. And I'm preaching this youth week. And after I get done, we wrap up the uh, revival. I'm flying on the way back home. And in the plane, uh, it was almost like out of the clear blue, I heard the Spirit of the Lord uh, whisper to me and say, I want you to pastor new life now I had never thought about it I had never dreamed about pastor new life I had gone there uh, to youth rallies every once in a while when I was a kid my parents just pastored across the river in Illinois so we were close to the church uh, I had graduated our uh, Gateway College of Engagement at that time it's called Urshan now but Gateway College our graduation had been in that church I had gotten married in that church but never once had it crossed my mind that one day I'm going to pastor this church this is where I'm going to be it just never dawned on me I never even thought about it I just wanted to be wherever God wanted me to be and now here I am in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, and I, I hear about this opportunity, and now I know what God has spoken to me on the plane, that he wants me to pastor. Lord, what in the world do you want me to do over there? I, I can't imagine uh, why, you'd, why you'd take me to Bridgeton. And the Lord, uh, this is uh, just a side note, but while I was there, I said, Lord, why do you want me to go to Bridgeton? He said, I want you to build faith. I want you to build faith. And as a confirmation that we were in the will of God, when we arrived there, they had a theme, an annual theme. I don't know, if Brother Kyle, if you do an annual theme, but our church there at that time, 
time, was doing at that time, and he had a three-year annual thing called Building Faith at Home. And I said, all right, Lord, that's a confirmation. But I didn't know that at the time. I'm, I'm on my way back to Fort Lauderdale. And all I hear is that God wants me to go there and, and pastor. And I'm thinking, Lord, I don't even know how that's going to work. And so this opportunity opens up. And I thought, okay, maybe this is it. But I need a confirmation because, listen, I just, I'm that way, all right? You that have faith, you may be able to just boldly go where no man has gone before. But, but my flesh creeps up on me a lot. And, and I, I get afraid sometimes. I was terrified. I had my wonderful wife and our new baby, Breely. She was two years old. And, and so now I'm, I'm thinking, man, Lord, I can, can I pick up my family and move? Is this what we're supposed to do? So I said, I know what I'll do. I need to talk to some mentors in my life because everybody, you need a spiritual mentor in your life. You need somebody that you'll listen to because there's safety in the counsel of, of godly advisors. You need a pastor. You need a godly counsel, an elder in your life, somebody that you look to for where you're going that will speak in your You need that. So uh, my dad had, had, had been one of them, obviously, and there were two others. One was a district superintendent, and the other was Brother Billy Cole. So I called my dad first, and I was like, Dad, here's this opportunity that's happening. Him. And Lord, I, I just, I just want to know, you know, if this is the right thing that I need to do. And I laid out all the details for him. I laid out what it was and, and where I was at. And this is what was offered. And, uh, you know, I was going from a youth pastor position to a youth pastor position. There really wasn't, you know, a, a ladder I'm climbing. It's just where I felt like God was leading us. And so I asked my dad about it. My dad said, well, son, sounds like a good idea to me. Doesn't, uh, you know, I don't feel anything wrong with it. Just got to do what you feel to do. Thanks, dad. Appreciate it. <laughs> Hang up on that. I said, I'm going to call this district superintendent. I'm going to ask him. So I picked up the phone. I said, Brother Graham, I said, here's, here's what's going on, and I need your counsel and advice, and, and I just need to know, is this, is this what I need to do? Do I need to head to St. Louis? I need to know. Is this where I need to go? This is what I'm feeling and all that. And I kid you not, as I'm standing here, Brother Graham had the exact same words that my father did. Said, sounds like a good idea to me. I don't feel anything wrong with it. You just got to do what you feel like you need to do. That's it. Finally, I'm going to go to the prophet. Go to the man to raise his hands over me and call out and say, Thus saith the Lord. As the scroll falls out of the sky and angels blare trumpets and lightning flashes and the Spirit of the Lord says, Thus saith the Lord. This is me. It really is me. Don't doubt it. This is God. I want you to go to say, I'm going to the prophet. I called Brother Cole. I remember. I still remember I was in the church and I was pacing because I pace. I'm just a pacer when I'm on the phone. Anybody else pace when you're on the phone? Man, I'm a walker. I get on the phone and I just think better. So I'm pacing when I'm on the phone. And I'm talking to Brother Cole and, and uh, I'm nervous. But I know he's got a word for me. Brother Cole, this is what I feel. This is where we're going. And I, I feel like this is what the Lord wants us to do. But I need to know, is this God's will? Is this what God wants me to do? Is, is this where God wants me to go? And, and uh, I... I'm telling you right now, as God is my witness, Brother Cole spit out almost the exact same words as my dad and Brother Graham will, son. He says, it sounds good to me. It doesn't sound like it's a bad idea. You just got to feel what the Lord's leading you to do. Of course, I didn't say that to the prophet. I just thanked him for it. I appreciated it. I loved on him and hung up. And then I, what do I do? 
Because it was uncomfortable. We were in a comfortable position. We were in a place where we're being blessed and we're loving the people and we're loving the pastor. We're loving the church and we're loving the community. And we're feeling God stretch us and move us. And he's calling us to uproot ourselves now and move somewhere else. Listen, the will of God is not always comfortable. The will of God doesn't always feel right. Some days you just got to pick up your foot and you got to take a step of faith. And you just got to move forward by faith. Get your godly counsel, but follow by faith a spirit of God. There's got to be some courage that would rise up in some young man or some young lady and say, I'm going to follow the will of God no matter what the cost is. I'm just going to have to trust him. I don't know what all waits me on the other side. But I'm going to get out of the boat. I'm going to step on the water because I hear him say, come. That's what I'm trying to speak to somebody today is you just got to step out by faith. You just got to walk in the Holy Ghost and just step out by faith. It doesn't always feel easy. It doesn't feel comfortable. You ask John the Baptist. John the Baptist is in prison getting ready to have his head lopped off. And so he's got a cousin out there that claims to be the Messiah. And John had even prophesied about him and said, the man who's coming, he's going to baptize you with Holy Ghost and fire. But now that same John the Baptist is in prison and he gets a few of his disciples together and says, I want I want you to go out there, follow my cousin around, follow Jesus around, and I want you to go ask him and say, are you the one or should we look for another? Because I don't know if he knows I'm in prison or not. So you get out there and, and just see if he is, because if he's the Messiah, what am I doing in prison? If he's the Messiah, what am I doing in here with my head getting ready to get chopped off? I thought there's something supposed to be miraculous, something great. I thought I was in the will of God, filled with the Holy Ghost since birth. What's going on here? And so the disciples of John went to go find Jesus, and they said, uh, our leader John, he came to ask you, uh, are you the one or should we look for another? And Jesus said, well, follow me, boys. He went and he healed the blind man right here. He He healed a lame man right here. He rose the dead right there. He healed this person with a disease right there. And he did all these miracles and he turned back to him. He said, now you go tell John everything that you saw, all the miracles that took place. And I'm sure they were going, "Woo, this is it. Yeah. And as they turned to go back to John, he said, oh, wait, boys. He said, and make sure that you tell John, blessed are those that are not easily offended because of me. What he was saying was, you go tell John, blessed are those who still trust me when I don't come to deliver them out of prison. When I don't come to deliver them out of their situations and problems that they feel uncomfortable in. Blessed are those young people that even in the midst of a home that's broken, going through divorce, even in the midst of a time when they're losing friends, even in the midst of a time when they feel like they don't have the money like they need to fulfill the plans that they want to fulfill. Blessed are those that keep on trusting me. They don't stop coming to prayer meeting. They don't stop coming to youth group. They don't stop giving to the Lord. They don't stop going to church. They don't stop praying. They don't stop reading their Bible. Blessed are those young people. Blessed are those people that will keep following after me when I don't deliver them out of the prison. When people accost them. When people hate them. When people talk about them. When people are angry against them. Blessed are those that keep on walking by faith saying I'm still in the will of God. Not because of my circumstances but because I know my Redeemer and I'm going to see Him one day. He's called me. He's called me. Come on, you got to stay steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. You've got to remain steadfast. You've got to remain in the will of God. You can't give up now. And sometimes when it sees hazy and you're not sure exactly what to do, just take a step forward. God is big enough to handle mistakes if you slip up. Don't be so afraid that you feel like you're going to get out of the will of God with the next little step. That You just got to take a step of faith. And if God has to course correct, 
correct you and turn you this way, then let him do it. If he's got a course correct and turn this, then let him do it. You just be flexible as the Spirit leads you. But step out by faith in Jesus' name. The Bible says you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you and you're going to be witnesses unto me. Because the reward of Jesus, the reward of following after him, it's better, it's better, it's better than any sacrifice you'll ever have to make. I never cease to tell my children this. Sometimes my kids feel it. Sometimes they feel the sacrifices that day. They don't know everything. They're still young. But as they're growing, they're starting to see a little bit more and feel the pressure a little bit more. The sacrifices that mommy and daddy make as we follow after Jesus. We don't get to do some of these things. We get to do some of these things. We don't get to go there. We do get to go over here. And they feel sometimes the pressure whenever we're going through some things. And we don't share everything that we're going through with the kids. But they just feel it. Some of you, you know what I'm talking about. You can feel that. But we, I, never, I never miss an opportunity to tell my children, say, listen, when you follow after the will of God, kids, then the blessing and the favor of God can rest upon your life. It, you could even be like Joseph sitting in prison. Or you could be a slave. And God could still favor you and God can still bless you and God could still raise you up but you've got to be faithful in it you've got to keep on walking you've got to continue to move forward by faith because Jesus said nobody who's left home or wife or brothers or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God will fail to receive many times as much in this age and the age to come eternal life Breely loves the zoo as I'm coming to a close here this morning she loves the zoo and I remember a few years ago we took her uh, to the St. Louis City Zoo. And I suppose I knew in part, but I hadn't come to realize how most groups of animals have unique names or designations when they dwell together. And so bees are called swarms, ants are colonies, whales are called pods when they're together, fish are called schools, cattle are called herds. If you've watched The Lion King, you know a tribe of lions is called a pride. If you grew up in the country, a group of crows are called murderers. Perhaps the most unnerving one is a group of tigers is called an ambush. I was surprised to know that a group of buzzards waiting around together to feast on leftover carnage is called a committee. A group of flamingos are called flamboyants. A group of owls are called parliaments. But my favorite of all is the group designation for rhinos. Because see, rhinos can run at 30 miles per hour which is pretty fast when you consider how much weight that they're pulling. They're actually faster than squirrels, which can run up to 26 miles per hour. But then who's going to be afraid of a charging squirrel? Running at 30 miles per hour is faster than some of those used cars will go. But there's just one problem with this phenomenon. Rhinos can only see 30 feet in front of them. So can you imagine something that large moving in concert as a group, plowing ahead at 30 miles an hour with no idea what's at 31 feet? Now you think that rhinos, they'd be far too timid to pick up full steam, that their inability to see far enough ahead would paralyze them, it would immobilize them. But with that horn pointing the way rhinos run forward full steam ahead without apprehension, which leads us to their name. Rhinos moving together at full speed are known as a crash. 
even when they're just hanging around the watershed, they're called a crash because of their potential. That's what happens, young people, when you shake free of fear and intimidation and you live a life full of following Jesus, you become an unstoppable force. You don't have to pretend that you know the future. Who cares that you can only see 30 feet ahead of you? Whatever's at 31 feet, it better get out of your way because we're coming in the name of Jesus. We don't have to be blind at what's in front of us. There's a world that desperately needs God. There's a world that's filled with loneliness and hopelessness and fear. And so God is trying to raise up some students that will crash through the barriers that say, live a comfortable life just stay safe and civilized and live this life just the way you want to live it but God is raising up a generation that says it's not about me but it's Christ inside of me it's not about what I want but what about he wants not my will but thy will be done and continue to run full force with the power of that raw untamed faith in Jesus Christ I'm inviting somebody this morning you feel the call of God on your life to continue to run fearlessly to run courageously to run without fear of favor of man and just move forward in Jesus name and say nothing's going to stop me from being used by God used by God Natalie Natalie from our church a few years ago wonderful wonderful girl she's shy and uh, she lives on the quiet side of life but uh, Natalie did something that was pretty awesome. When she was in her school, she started teaching Bible studies. She just stepped out by faith. I mean, this girl, you can get barely get two words out of her when you're in a conversation for a sanguine. That's just terrible. Oh, my goodness. You just need, you know, just talk. Somebody just talk to me. I just need. And you're just trying to talk to her, and she's just smiling and staring. And hi, Pastor. Just the sweetest thing as you can. But here she is. She just felt something stir in her heart. And she had a friend named Alex. And uh, Alex, and uh, she started, say, she said, why don't we get a Bible study together? So she started teaching Alex a Bible study. This shy, wonderful girl just broke out and said, let's do it. So they started meeting together, started teaching her a Bible study. And Alex showed up to our church a few years ago. And Alex came uh, and listened to the preaching and listened to the preacher. Watched him as he was jumping up on chairs and jumping up and down and spinning around. First time ever in an apostolic service. And uh, lo and behold, Alex goes, I want some of that. And so Alex came forward. And, and God filled her with the precious gift of the Holy Ghost. We baptized Alex in the name of Jesus. And something triggered in Natalie. And she has never been the same. Something got a hold of her. She had turned sanguine. God still used her on that side. But here she is. She's just teaching Bible study after Bible study. And God has used her to bring dozens to him. To be filled with the Holy Ghost. And filled with his spirit. And baptized in Jesus' name. I'm just telling you. God is looking for some young man. Some young lady. That will rise up to the challenge and say. It doesn't matter my pedigree. It doesn't matter my personality. It doesn't matter what I have or what I don't have. God can use me and he can use me right now. And if you'll offer yourself to God, he'll raise you up with an anointing that's bigger than you are. He'll place a mantle of the spirit that's bigger than you are. He'll give you a boldness that goes beyond your personality. He'll give you a spirit of courage. He'll give you a spirit of boldness and rise you up to the challenge. No matter what's in front of you, you'll be able to crash through it in Jesus name if you believe it somebody shout amen stand with me if you will here this morning 
in just a moment. I want us, I don't know how you normally do it on Saturdays, and uh, you probably used to something a little bit more quiet and a little bit more tame. But today I just felt in the Holy Ghost to speak to those of you that feel a call of God on your life, and God wants to do something inside of you. He wants to continue to give you faith, continue to give you more of His Spirit, and help you keep moving forward in Jesus' name and not give up. I don't know who's before me today. I don't know where you've come from. I don't know your pedigree. I don't know everything about you, but the Lord Jesus Christ does. And I know that in this place here today, there are people that are going to shock and surprise the world at what God is going to do through you. I know that in this place, there are intercessors and prayer warriors and preachers of the gospel and worship leaders. I know that there's going to be people, doctors and lawyers and people that are going to rise to the challenge. You're going to enter into the community and God is going to fill you full of power, full of his spirit, and he's going to do something amazing through your life. I love reading about Pentecostal history. I love reading about revivals. I love about God pouring out his spirit. One that intrigues me is, uh, is about a man that's, uh, his name is Robert John Evans. Robert John Evans was 11 years old when he began a prayer meeting in his home. And he'd just pray fervently. And uh, 11 years old, 12 years old, 13 years old, he just kept on praying. And as people heard about him praying, he worked in the coal mines with his dad. But as he kept on praying, he started inviting other people in the community to come pray with him. He said, come on, why don't you pray with me? And a few people would show up. Well, his best friend was in a prayer meeting one time. And, and uh, Roberts at this time was about 15 years old. And he turned, he turned to his friend and he said, hey, do you believe that God could give us a 100,000 soul revival? I mean, we're talking about a teenager here. You believe that God could give us a 100,000 soul revival? And he said, absolutely, I believe that God could do that. And they began to pray, and it wasn't just a few years later that God poured out his spirit in that little town. And a town of 100,000 people came. Taverns were shut down. The spirit of God moved. It was called the Welsh Revival. Look it up and read about it. It's an amazing thing. And it started with a young man who just came from the coal mine, uh, coal mines. And he just had a love and a desire for God. But he kept on praying. He kept on seeking after God. And these visions and dreams of great things. I, I, I don't know what you're dreaming of. I don't know what your vision is. But if you'll keep following after God, God's going to open up your eyes to see that there is a bigger thing that you've got to be a part of. There's something greater that He wants to use you in. And you can start declaring the things of God. Maybe right now today it's just I declare that mom and dad's going to come back to God. I declare that my friend's going to be filled with the Holy Ghost. I declare that my classmates are going to be filled with the Spirit. Or that my street is going to have revival. Maybe my youth group is going to be poured out. The Spirit of God is going to be poured out upon them. I, I don't know what vision that God has given you, but it's going to come to pass if you'll continue to follow after Him and not give up. If you'll keep walking by faith in Jesus' name. Here's what I want to do this morning is I want to call for those that feel the anointing on your life. You feel a call. There's a seed, a desire within you to pursue after God. God wants us to pray for you this morning. And there's going to come an unprecedented anointing from the top of your head to the sole of your feet. For the Scripture says, Thou anointest my head with oil and while the enemy is trying to discourage young people and trying to cause them that's why suicide is up in this day and age God is going to break some things off of some young men and young ladies this morning and bring a fresh anointing to your mind and open up your eyes to see greater things than you've ever desired before if you want more of God's spirit if you want more of him than you've ever needed before if you feel that desire within you I want you to make your way forward right now and move up to the front 
front of this place. Just come stand up here right now. I'll ask Brother Kyle, Brother Sapp, your youth pastor, others to come. And those that are ministers here this morning, we're going to lay hands on you today in the name of Jesus. We're going to ask God to give you an unprecedented power to fill you with boldness, anointing every man, every young lady. I want you to lift up your hands to the Lord right now. Lift up your voice if you want Him more than anything. If you want to be used by Him, remember it's not a safe place, but you are in the will of God this morning. You are in a place where God has called you if you want that untamed faith in Him. I want you to lift up your voice right now and say, Jesus, use me. Jesus, take me where you want me to go. Do with me what you want me to do, God. I don't want to be the same, Lord. I want to be used by you. I want your power to be on my life. In the name of Jesus. That's it. Lift up your voice to Him right now. In the name of Jesus. For some of you, it's going to feel like Peter jumping out of the boat, moving forward. It's going to feel like Peter jumping out of the boat, taking a step of faith into places you've never been before. But God's calling you up right now. In the name of Jesus. Open their eyes, God, like you did Elisha's servant. Open their eyes to behold things, to behold your glory, to behold the hills filled with the chariots of fire. Open their eyes to behold, God, the call and the giftings that you have in place for them. I pray that you'd anoint them from the top of their head to the sole of their feet. Let the anointing destroy every yoke in their life now in the name of Jesus Christ. Take us deeper, God. Take us deeper, God. Now would be a good time for you to offer yourself, offer your plans, offer your dreams to Him. Some of you have your whole life planned out. You see things that are going to take place, you need to offer those to God right now. Put them on this altar. If you want God to bless it, if you want God's fire to touch it, if you want God to give you favor, place it on this altar this morning and say, God, it's not my will, but your will be done. Your will be done, God. Here's my desires. Here's my dreams. Here's what I've wanted to do. But God, I'm offering it into your hands. God, I'm not my own. I've been bought with a price. I've been purchased by your blood. I offer myself to you this morning. Oh, I, I feel his presence right now. I feel His presence moving through this altar right now. There's no telling what God wants to do in your life. More of you, Jesus. Come on, tell Him more of you, Jesus. I need more of your spirit in me. I need more of your anointing. I need more of your touch in my life, oh God. direction oh. rejuvenating our spirits oh Lord our love and our hunger for the kingdom thank you Jesus 
spoken into some of your lives and what you do with that is really between you and God you and I both know that it only takes about 24 hours to undo everything that God did in your heart today go right back into your everyday life go back into your normal entertainment, whatever it is that we do. But we can make we can make a difference. We can say this time, I'm not going to allow that to happen again. Because I promise you, God has planted a seed in all of us here, not just some of us. I believe all of us. He has a special calling, a special anointing. Sometimes God just... He gives us strength just to stand. There are no lights as for the bachelor priest. There's no angels dancing about you. He just gives you the strength to stand, to wait, to be patient as he continues to work in your life. If you'll go home and just add a little more time to your prayer life, a little more time to the studying of God's Word. Not the reading, studying of God's Word. Taking the time to tear a subject apart. Spend a week on it. Study God's Word. You may not feel its effect immediately, but something will be happening inside of your life that when God is ready to open the door and move you one step further, Everything you need to succeed on that level will have already been put inside of you. It's up to me and you to make a difference in our life. God is not going to make that difference in your life. It is up to you to make that difference. You get a hold of him. He's already got a hold of you. Now it's time for us to get a hold of him. And that's what's going to change us. The word you heard today... And last night, just absolutely phenomenal, tremendous, life-changing, life direction. Can somebody shout, I'm on fire. Brother Bachelor, you have blessed us at Rock 2019. We've been honored to have you and your family. Thank you, sir. Amen. So take this home with you. Don't let it just be another good service, another stirring in your heart. Men prayed for you, anointed you, spoke into your life. They didn't just say those words. They felt impressed of God to say those words. You cherish them as though Jesus himself stood in front of you and spoke into your life. And see what God will do. Walk on those promises. Begin, begin to act upon the words that God spoke to you. And see what God will do in your life. I love you. God bless you. Thank you for being faithful to 2019.